Are you tired of carrying multiple pieces of equipment on your service truck? Lincoln Electric has introduced the solution, the Ranger Air 260 MPX. This multifunction engine drive combines an air compressor, generator, battery charger, battery jump starter, and multi-process welder in one compact device, specifically designed for the unpredictable circumstances and job demands of the work truck industry. But that's not all. The Ranger Air 260 MPX is also designed to provide a lower cost of ownership with features such as auto stop-start technology and an electronic throttle body engine with variable engine speed. Don't miss out on this versatile and reliable machine that can handle any demanding job site. Visit www.lincolnelectric.com for more information on the Ranger Air 260 MPX available later this year and save space on your truck for other tools and gear with this compact power horse. Hi, welcome to another episode of the Weld.com podcast. I'm Bo Wigington. In this week's episode, I got to chat with Danny Keiterling. Danny spent years as a rig welder as well as teaching, and he was in a bad UTV wreck last year that left him paralyzed. And he tells us about what his recovery has been like, as well as plans for the future. He shares some insight on the rehabilitation center he went to, what it's like getting back under the hood, and his goals of giving back and inspiring others. Upgrade your welding game today with the highest quality leather products from Outlaw Leather USA. Their welding hoods, arm pads, and handles are expertly crafted with premium materials to provide long-lasting durability and stunning visuals. Don't settle for less than the best. Experience unbeatable protection and comfort with Outlaw Leather USA's custom leather products. As a special bonus for listening to the podcast, you can get 10% off your order by using the special promo code WELD10 at checkout. Upgrade your welding gear now at Outlaw Leather USA. Do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners just in case they're not familiar with who you are and what you do? Yeah. All right, guys. I'm Danny Cotterling. And uh, if you guys don't know me, I am a welder, pipe welder. I've welded in small parts of America in the Rocky Mountain Midwest. I've done a lot of pipe projects, compressor station projects all around. Just love welding. And I think that's why I'm honored to be here on this weld.com podcast. And you guys might know that unfortunately right now I was in a UTV accident that left me uh, paralyzed from the chest down. We're working through it and uh, it's been a heck of a journey. It's only been a six month journey. That's basically a little bit like that. I live in Wyoming. I've lived in Wyoming all my life. I, like I said, I uh, primarily rig weld. That's where you got a, you know, a welding truck. And uh, you guys might know my welding truck. Everyone loves it. And go around and you just weld stuff for people. And that was uh, been my passion is welding. Or I have some more passions. Inspiring and helping out other people is another passion of mine that I really, especially since the accident, really enjoyed. Yeah, that's a quick rundown on me. How did you get into welding in the first place? Well, obviously every kid in high school, you know, that every boy at least wants to work with his hands, wants to, you know, destroy stuff, break things. I don't know. And you take your shop classes, right? This, the shop classes are really important, you know, and I took them all, you know, everyone I could get, everything that was the farthest away from English class, I seemed to want to get into. <laughs> 
And uh, I tried everything. I love working on cars and all that stuff, but I discovered like that none of them were really for me, but there was one that was, and that was welding and, because I liked welding so much more because I didn't have to work with computers. I didn't have to take an alternator off and it's on the bottom side of the engine and you're greasy. There was something about welding that inspired my artistic side. I have a pretty good artistic side and I loved welding because it was like you're creating. You're not just fixing. You're not just plugging in something. You're not just putting wires through a pole for electrical you're creating something and it's and it can be beautiful and you can make cool stuff and that no one else can do and you can almost uh, with welding like the puddle and stuff like that i discovered like it's your own signature you know what i mean like the cool thing is welding you can do it completely different from this guy that guy and that guy and uh, you can be better than them or you can make prettier welds or whatever so it sparked my inspirational side and all that stuff and i was done i knew there in a ninth grade <laughs> that i was going to be a welder i wanted to be a welder and uh now here I am. I, I went to college, you know, I, I actually dropped out of college just because of the, just the way the education system is and how it works is not really how I work and uh, dropped out, which brings me back to another mission in life. I, I didn't agree with education and I changed the way you educate people and I do it on my channels a little bit. That's why weld.com is so important too, I suppose, you know, it's so crazy how we can help each other out. And so that's how I got started into welding. Dropped out of college and... Uh, Did you start working right away? Yep. So I dropped out of college. I was already working um, through high school at this really cool fab shop. But we, I started out actually building pressure vessels. Okay. Um, you probably know what that is. You oh, know, yeah. <laughs> and I, I wasn't building them, old son. I was 17 years old and I was freaking prepping all the material for all the welders. Oh, nice. That's yep. Yeah. So I started there. The company we worked at built pressure vessels, fabrication, sheet metal fabrication, all the way up. They had rig welding trucks. And for about a year there, I, or six months I was there, I tested out and I actually was a pressure vessel at 18 years old. Pressure vessel welder, code stamp, all the fancy stuff. I don't even remember all the stuff that you got to go through nowadays, but it was really cool. I learned a lot and I welded my butt off on them vessels. And I always seen these the guys the owner of the company had 10 or 12 welding trucks and he'd send out the really good welders on jobs, pipelines, stainless jobs or whatever. And I'd always look out, you know, I'd watch those welding trucks drive by because I was in that shop and I'd look at those welding trucks. They drive by, you know, a cool, well, you know, they ain't crazy, but you know what I mean? They, they mud tires and all that stuff. I seen them driving by and I was like, golly, I was like, I want to do that. I want to, I want to rig weld. I want, I, I, that seems so fun to me. And it was a Thanksgiving day. They needed welders and there was the guy that was running the job. He couldn't get any other welders. So he called me and told me to hop in a welding truck. And I did. And I tried my freaking hiney off and I did it. And I did really well. I practiced for a long time. And that's where my obsession for the traveling outdoorsy freaking feel of welding and life really just like it was me. And I did it ever since then. I, I worked for that company for six years and I started my own contract company and uh, contracted all over. And it was just another uh, step, another step in my career. And it went on from there, but that's how I started. And that got into welding it. The owner of the company was his name's Greg Doherty and shouting out to Greg Doherty. If he's ever seen this good dude, couldn't have done it without him. You know, that's that people that take you under the wing that's people that help you out when you're young, you know what I mean? And that's where I wouldn't be here today without them, or at least as good as I am. Yeah, it is a huge help when you could go to school and get taught like how to do a process, but being a hand with somebody, being a helper, being able to watch that experience, it is so much more impactful. Like it's just that hands-on training is so different than what you're going to get in any school. And that's what a lot of people don't know or don't realize when they're going through school, they're like, oh, I'm going to get out and I'm going to be 
a rock star. It's like, no, you're going to get out and you're going to learn from a rock star. Yeah, it's real. That's the difference. It's that experience. It's when you get out there, it's real now. You know what I mean? It's not fake. I guess it's like being in the tra- training in the army, you know what I mean? And then going out to war and getting shot at. It's real stuff out there, you know? So Yeah. What's the craziest place that being a rig welder, because you go all over the place, what are some of the craziest situations you were put into out in the field? Shoot, I like scary wise, frick, let me think. I know some of the coolest stuff I ever done, I actually done on the western slope of Colorado. They got some pretty wild, well, you know, out there in uh, Aspen, I did some pipeline through Aspen, right through the city of Aspen. It was wild. That's awesome. Um, yeah, it sucked actually because I had a big old dually truck. I couldn't get it through anywhere down there. Oh, yeah. Uh, but it was pretty crazy. I did some also some pipelines up there and rifle and stuff up into those mountains. You Sometimes you would get on slopes where you couldn't, you'd have to get your welding machine pulled off your truck and you'd actually have to get on there and they put it on a Baruka or a skid or you'd work with theirs and get through some pretty gnarly country. That And it's beautiful country. I mean, there's buffalo and elk and all kinds of stuff just roaming craziest thing i've ever done welding i like to think what do you think crazy i like i guess i got a really cool story on that i like to when i when you think of crazy i think of wild and maybe dangerous i used to when i was starting out i was telling you that story about how i i wanted to weld so bad and i wanted to be a rig welder and so i'd try my butt off it almost became an addiction to me and i love that money and so in what was it 2010 or 14 i think it no it was right around there when the oil was oil in this area in the midwest was just crazy there's tons of oil being drilled and it was wild i actually worked my butt off and i just was i was working night and day i hadn't had a day off like two and a half months and uh, one day i was just driving down a a dirt road county road and uh i fell asleep behind the wheel and i woke up and i freaking seen a ditch coming up a real big one where like it was a big steep one and usually you're like oh i better turn and my brain i'm like no hit the ditch and this ditch if you looked at it you could think about it it had score big heavy duty scorial rocks to where it was it was like you're driving on snow and I and I woke up and I looked down and I see this ditch coming up and you could see that that it was just freshly cut too they just made the road and that and the dirt was just like was pretty deep and for the drainage and yeah. I was looking down this thing coming up on it it seemed like everything was slow motion at first and I wasn't going super fast but. So I'm like, Danny, you got to go straight, go straight. Because if you turn into a corner, you're going to, you're going to get in trouble. And uh, I straightened up on the thing and I come down that freaking ditch and it didn't work out like I planned. And that, and that <laughs> I hit that ditch and I ended up uh, endoing that a whole welding truck five to seven times, somewhere around there. They said it was pretty wild, pretty scary, all because I fell asleep and I was working too hard. And I, I closed my eyes once it started rolling, I think, or something. I didn't get, pa- I didn't pass out or get knocked out. And when I woke up, I could hear my rent in the background in my toolbox they were on hangers you hear them jingling almost like a bell mm-hmm. and i woke up and it was some wild stuff that i ru- i completely ruined i was probably man i wasn't even old enough to drink i was probably yeah, 20 years old 19 years old i rolled a whole welding truck and i got out i crawl out the window i called my boss and uh, they're like, well, are you okay and i'm like yeah but the welding truck isn't and he's like it's it's okay and anyway i was like man and I just sat there waiting for him. I was picking up all the tools out of the grass. And I had bevelers strung across all the way across the prairie at the grass prairie. I was going around picking up sockets and all kinds of stuff. And they finally showed up there and they pulled the truck up on there. And there, my boss comes up to me and he's like, all right, come on in. Are you okay? Do we know the hospital? I'm like, no, I'm fine. By then the adrenaline was wearing off and my left arm actually kind of hurt. And he's like, I need to take a drug test. And I was like, 
oh, okay. I was like, I still have a job. And he's like, yeah, of course you still have a job. He's like, it was an accident. And I was like, okay. And I was like, yeah, I was like, that's a plus. And I did my drug test, but I was embarrassed, man. I, I went home and I was really sad. And I went home and I was like, I'm not, I was like, I don't, I'm not coming back. I'm going to go find a new job because working with welders, they're pretty mean. Now, freaking they'll and the ones I worked with were not the nicest back in the day and I was like I was afraid to come back to work and I did I wasn't gonna and uh, the guy that I was working for through the contractor they call it the company man he runs the oil well he calls me like the next day and he's like hey uh, I need you to cap off this we're moving the oil rig and I'm like oh okay and I told I said I got some stuff I'm dealing with I'll have to send another welder and I called that same boss that picked me up from the wreck. I was like, hey, bro, I'm like, they need a welder up in Montana to cap off a well off it up in a certain oil company. And he's like, oh, okay, can you come in and give me the information? I'm like, well, I can just, and he's like, no, just come in. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I come in and I, I was, by then I was no, I had no adrenaline and everything. And every yeah. time, I don't know if I broke a rib or whatever, I, I was probably dumb for not going to the hospital. But every time I breathe, I could feel like something in my lung and it would hurt so bad. And my arm was hurt kind of walked into the office, tried not to limp or anything and act like a weenie. And I walked in and I gave him, you know, the guy's number and the directions to the well site and all that stuff. And uh, he, and my the boss looks at me, he's like, well, can you go do it? And I'm like, I just rolled a truck the other day. I'm not feeling very good. And I'm like, and he's like, well, that's okay. He's like, I'd just rather you go do it if you're cool with it. No one else wants to work late. And then I'm like, yeah. I was like, I told him his name is John. And I said, John, I was like, I don't have a welding truck. Yeah. And what am I going to do? What am I going to drive? Keep in mind, this company had 12 of them and every, the main welders got their own welding truck. And he's like, well, Shane's welding truck over there, that's yours now. And I'm like, what? And he's like, yep, you can have it. And it was like the nicest truck in the fleet. And I'm like, and I'm what? And I'm like, okay, <laughs> pretty wild. And I, you know, I went up and I capped off that well. If you imagine you're in a kind of a cellar and I was hurt and, he, and I did it. But I guess if it wasn't for him either, you know, that old supervisor that maybe his employees were lazy, uh, maybe I would have quit then there too. But that was pretty wild. I couldn't believe that he, that's an accomplishment, I guess, um, to uh, say that, uh, Someone else's welding truck, man. That was cool to me. <laughs> yeah. So, I was mean, like, I hey, you I just crashed this one. Here's a brand new one. That's pretty yeah. awesome. That must be a real testament to your skills too, though. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I never claimed to be the best welder. I always, but I always tried to be the best welder, but uh, yeah, it was pretty crazy. I guess I was blessed at a young age for sure. Yeah. So then recently, since we're talking about a wreck, can you tell everyone about what just happened? It's like, there's a big change in your life. Do you want to talk about it? Yeah, and I love talking about it. Honestly, I uh, I don't like talking about the bad things about it, but I do like talking about the good things. But I can give you guys a quick rundown. It's kind of terrible. You got you ever if you ever watched the movie Hangover? I'm yeah, sure you have. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, 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 it was a bachelor party, right? Uh huh. Yeah, and I always tell people, I'm like, excuse my language, I don't cuss much. And I say, I always tell people, I say, a Hangover movie. I said, ain't got shit on me because <laughs> yeah. uh, it was my bachelor party. We oh, uh, damn. We, Yep, me and my best friends, and then my bestest of all friends, we went up to the mountains in South Dakota, and I had just bought a new Can-Am Maverick. They're gnarly, and that's why I'm, I guess I'm in a wheelchair today, paralyzed, but it's a very gnarly machine, and we were just hanging out. We just got to the room. We, drive, we drove about three hours to get up there. We parked, was shoved up in the side of a mountain up in Deadwood Lead area. Beautiful area, so beautiful. Gonna was going to be an epic bachelor party I and mean, we get the trailers backed in it took an hour to get everything in because everything was so tight there were trees and rocks we had a couple utvs and uh, we unloaded them and everyone's like dude let's go down this trail over here it's wherever i can't even remember now 
I remember the area, but I don't remember where we went to. And uh, we go down this trail and it was gnarly trail. I was driving, but I wasn't completely giving her all the giving her all the beans like everything, everyone else was. <laughs> I was just chilling. And my other buddy, he popped a tire. He's got a big old freaking gnarly machine and he popped his tire like, and I was, him and I were hitting jokes at each other at whose machine was better. And so everyone hopped in mine and I hopped out of the driver's seat. And I was like, I was going to stay and help him. I wasn't going to, at that point, I wasn't going to stay, but I hopped out and I grabbed something from my buddy. That's how it went. I grabbed something out from my buddy and I turned around and my best man, my best friend was sitting in the driver's seat. And I'm like, Hey, what are you doing? And uh, for respect of him, I'm not going to say his name here, but I was like, dude, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm driving. And I'm like, no, you're not driving. I was like, dude, you can't, you're not driving. And we argued for a little bit. And then he's, and you know how guys are, you're, you get little, get mad, not mad at each other, but you're like, I'm like, I'm not riding with you because I want to drive and I'm staying here with my other buddy and my buddy, Eric, I'm staying here with him. And he's, and Eric's, no, you got better go with them because you know, the tires popped. I don't want any extra weight in the vehicle. I'm like, oh, thanks a lot, dude. That's a nice way of calling me freaking overweight. <laughs> okay. So I got in the back passenger seat. It was the back, right. I was in the back, right passenger seat and we were driving. My, my best friend, he's my other, be not best friend, but my very good friend right beside me was a vet, wounded war veteran. His name was Byron Nemali. I can give him a shout out on here. He's a wounded, wounded Purple Heart Marine. He was right beside me, put my seatbelt on. And the craziest thing, he's, I watched you put your seatbelt on, Danny. I'm like, yeah. So we're driving down the road and he's, and uh, we're just chilling. My buddy was driving like we would on a county road. Same freaking thing is when I rolled my welding truck, the gravel was loose. I remember it. And I remember looking up, my buddy was going a little fast for the turn and he miscalculated the turn, thought he's going straight. And I remember looking at him trying to turn and didn't do anything. And I remember him trying to give it some gas to like turn. Yeah. And it, and I just remember looking, looking at that dashboard and looking out. And then we just went up over this mountainside. And it's how mountainsides are. You do, you do zigzags up a mountain like yeah. that. It was a turn. And that turn was right off the edge of the mountain. Jeez. Um, yeah. And uh, I remember him trying to turn and his steer wheel was turned and it was a turn. It was like driving in ice or snow. Yeah. And, and I was like, uh oh, and I grabbed the, and I remember grabbing that thing. And I remember telling myself, Danny, I grabbed that bar and I said, Danny, hold on. You yeah. know what I mean? Which is like the, everything you got, Danny, hold on to that bar. I remember like in that instant and uh, we roll, we went down that off the side of mountain basically. And yep. And somehow I got ejected out of the, out of the, I got ejected out of the seat. Yep. My, and I remember waking up, it's pretty crazy. These Tom Waters I wear, not waking up because I closed my eyes. This is the second time I wrecked a vehicle and I opened my eyes. I didn't, I don't think I passed out or got knocked out. And which the doctor said, probably if you get knocked out, you actually lose more. So it's probably a blessing. I wouldn't have, I could, I not live because your lungs shut down. If you get, it's weird how your spinal cord works out, but my lungs didn't shut down. And I remember after I woke up from the wreck or opened my eyes. And I'm laying like this with my hands right by my head like that. And I remember my Tom Waters. These are these glasses I wear. And they're sitting right up here. And there's blood all over them. Blood all over things. And I'm like sitting here. And I look up and I'm like, oh my gosh. And I'm like kind of like, you know, screaming for people. But guess what? I couldn't scream. I couldn't scream. I couldn't yell. I was ejected. No one could find me at first. Because when you are when you have a spinal cord injury as high as mine, because mine's up in my neck, believe it or not can't uh, i'm getting better but you can't yell because your diaphragm is it's not functioning like i was like help and i'm sitting like this and it took them a while they found me i was sitting there and i remember i couldn't feel my legs couldn't do anything i could move my arms barely at that point it was like almost everything from my neck down was damaged and i couldn't do anything i could move my arms up a little bit and like wiggle 
And I remember just staring at my glasses and I told my best friend, he came there, he was sitting there while my other buddy went up and got cell service to call an ambulance. I sat there and I looked at, and I looked at those glasses and I couldn't look at anyone because I'm laying on the ground and they wouldn't flip me over. And I kept asking them to, and I sit at those, and I sat at those glasses and I said, I said, at least, I said, at least my freaking glasses didn't get broken. I was like, you make sure they won't get broken. And he grabbed them. And funny story we you know and we went to the icu and all that stuff and uh, the doctor told me i probably wasn't going to have any use of my arms told me i was going to be a full paraplegic probably or quadriplegic because i was losing strength in my arms all kinds of stuff and uh, i told my buddy i was like don't lose those glasses and we went through surgery and all kinds of stuff and the next day i, I woke up and I, sh I had like my arms still she mm -hmm. said after the surgery you're probably not gonna and i still had my arms and i was like this is cool you know at least i yeah. still got my arms and then the next day I was like, I, my buddy was there and my wife was there. And I said, it's like, Hey, can I have my glasses? And they're like, man, we gave them to, we gave them to Brad and Brad, he put them in his back pocket and he sat on them and broke them. Oh man. After yeah. all of that, man. <laughs> and I was like, it's season, but I ordered you some more, man. I'll get, they should be here pretty soon. And I'm like, okay. So yeah, that's how that went. And then the doctor walked in and we started talking about how life was going to be and where I should go, what I should do. I, a lot of people would be down. I was down. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I, I freaking bawled my eyes out. I stayed positive. I was like, yeah, normal people are going to lose their arms, but I'm not going to, you know? And we went to different places and called and we found that place down in Inglewood, uh, Colorado. It's just south of Denver. You probably know where it's at. Oh, yeah. Yep, it's called the Craig Rehabilitation Hospital or something. It's a rehab, but they call it a hospital. You know, there's people from every type of injury there doing what doing their thing. And uh, it's expensive, dude. It's about $4,000 a day to go there. And uh, you got to get accepted. They don't accept anyone. There were certain things that you, like criteria is in your body. You had to, you couldn't have any wounds. Like I had a head wound and luckily they said head wounds are okay. But if it was like below the chest down that you have to wait for your wound and there was a lot of stuff. So we go through this application process and what I remember sitting there and my wife was talking on the phone and I was sitting in the bed and I, I couldn't control anything. I'd slowly lean out of bed or fall, whatever. And I'm sitting there watching her and I see her face drop and she's like, oh, okay. I got accepted, but it was crazy. We were, she's, and I'm like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And she wouldn't tell me. And then I finally, and I was like, she told me, she's like, they want $180,000 to get into Craig. And I'm like, and I'm like, okay. And she's like, that's, that's crazy. And I remember sitting there and I'm like, there's a difference between living and having a life. Yeah. And I was like, they can, if they can help me have a life, why not go? I'll make more money. will come. Money will go. But if they can help me and they were the best in the nation, they said, everyone, everyone said, to go there and we ended up scratching enough money together they actually changed the price a couple times they kept watching me going through my just my own personal like inner rehab while i was in the intensive care unit my, they, they, they'd say oh he now his arms are moving now he can pick them up now he can move his wrists and they started predicting that i would need less days there which actually meant that i wouldn't have to cough up about 200 <laughs> grand to get in and uh, so long story short i scraped up enough or we scraped up enough money and uh, they flew me in this airplane. It's a, it was a terrible airplane. It was it, the it was just as expensive as a life flight. Just so you uh. guys know, don't ever get life flighted. And we and I got in this little tiny airplane, and I was so sore. Everything in like my body hurt. Then I could feel my neck hurt. And they're jumping me around. And I swear I get out of that that uh, hospital. It's 105 degrees out. To keep in mind, my accident was July 21st, and it was about two weeks after my accident. So it was August, and that's a hot month for here in Wyoming. 
and we in the airplane didn't have air conditioning it broke and i was golly are you kidding and so i get there and i'm sitting on and i land in colorado and then the, the ambulance was broke down that was going to pick me up so we had to wait on the tarmac sitting there in the heat and they finally pulled me out of the thing because it was just insane it was crazy how hot it was because airplanes don't i don't know whatever anyway they pulled me out of there and uh, sitting there the ambulance picked me up and uh, funny they when I got to the hospital, they took your vitals and do all this stuff. And they're like, you got 101 temperature right now. And I'm like, yeah. And they're like all worried about it. And I'm like, it's probably because I was in a 200 degree. cooking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I just came out of a pressure cooker. What do you expect, yeah. man? Yeah. For real. Yeah. Fun, crazy fact. When you're injured, when you're injured in your uh, C-section of your spine, that's your neck, basically. Right around your shoulders up, you got your C-section. That actually starts right at your bottom base of your skull. And it moves down and uh, right about your shoulders, it starts your T-section, your spinal cord. And then you move down and then you have 12 sections in your T-section. And then you go into your L-sections and your, but it's lower. I did it in the C. I actually have a C6, C7. So that's not quite in the middle, but you got eight sections of your vertebrae in your C-section, your spinal cord. And I broke it right in the C6, C7. The damage was in the C6 area craziness about that you can't sweat when you damage that so your body can't regulate temperature yeah so sometimes i'll be freezing cold and it's just my let and like it won't warm up or i'll be out there and everyone will have to be like dude it's 110 degrees out you better go in the shade i can't feel like i can tell if it's hot out and cool out i can't really like tell temperatures and i can't sweat pretty crazy Dang, uh, i had no idea about that yeah yeah it's yeah i think it's a pretty rare occurrence for someone to get paralyzed so not a lot of people know about it so i this cool little things that i learned along the way at craig and i went through that craig that rehab it was uh i stayed there for they wanted me for there for like 90 days and uh i ended up staying there for 45. i learned how to transfer which is you look on some of my social medias you'll see me i can transfer out of a wheelchair which with my arms i'll just kind of push myself and slide over i learned how to transfer i learned how to do some some like health care I, I learned how to eat they taught me how to do that again. They they taught me how to use a manual wheelchair, all kinds of amazing stuff. It's freaking, it's so cool. They took my wife there and they taught her the last couple of weeks of my rehab, how to like care for me on some other, some sides of things, obviously like change out some of my catheter, they like that kind of like um, nurse stuff. And my wife is pretty savvy when it comes to that stuff. She should have been a nurse, I think, but to it real well. And they, it's been amazing. If anyone ever is needing to, rehab needn't and they don't know where to go or whatever i would highly recommend that craig facility they're amazing companies or amazing they're a nonprofit. they're an amazing organization and i left and i came back home to wyoming and i was greeted with open arms i had a benefit dinner for me here and my best friend's wife put it on we rented a event center that had the capacity of 300 people that 300 people capacity and it was pretty crazy we they sold out they sold what like ten dollar tickets whatever it is they sold out within the first 10 minutes of the event and then they started selling more and i actually made a little i was making a little video and i was like there's probably going to be some of my good friends there and a lot of people that i love and, and there ain't no better thing than a danny cardling fashion than to mess with people so i made a video about a month before I, or about yeah, about 30 days before I got out of the hospital and went home and I made it look like I was in my hospital bed and I told everyone that I was not going to make it to my event and, you know, that I loved them and blah, blah, blah. And <laughs> my buddy, who's a video editor, put a slideshow together and then at the end he dropped that video and uh, everyone was sad and my buddy had it timed just perfectly. He said he was going to call me when there was like 
30 seconds left in the video. And so right with 30 seconds, I started rolling around across the building. And the building actually was the tech center that I went to college in. And we, I roll around the building and I'm, and I come in the door and, and there was people crying, you know, moms were crying people. And this, and I don't know, a couple of people looked at on the screen. They're like, he's here. And it's pretty amazing. So I don't know. I wanted to mess with people. And everyone thought it was, uh, <laughs> you, hang, pretty- you gotta get them right. You gotta get them yeah. when. Yeah. So then now with welding, I've seen that you've been working on welding again. So tell us that process. Like, how has that been for you? Hard. Like. I don't ever admit we, I never admit weakness in the field, right? I never got, you know what I mean? I, it's super hard for me. And some days I'm like, man, I, I learned and right, at, right after the wreck, actually, right after the wreck, I learned that you can't compare yourself to what you were because after the wreck, you're not exactly right now what you were. You got to compare yourself to what you were yesterday. And that's where my spark came in. And uh, you got to kind of look forward. And I've always tried to look forward. But with welding, it was like, man, I could do this. I was the welder foreman. I ran companies. I started companies. I did all kinds of crazy stuff. And now I can't even, now I can only weld flat. You know what I mean? I can't even hardly put a, a bead in a piece of pipe hardly. But that's all right. It's all right. You know, like you got to struggle, you know. And so at first off, I started my, uh, one of my very good friends. He was actually a student of mine back in the day. I trained him and I actually broke him out for rig welding. He's rig welding right now, actually. He, yeah. Yeah. He was in between jobs and he probably my second week home, he was at my, he was here at this house every day. And he had this old chunky welding truck he was building for his brother. He just got back from job and his brother stole his welding truck. He's, dude, I got to get this welding truck fixed up because it's a piece of junk and my brother needs it so I can have my welding truck back. In fact, his brother was actually my student also and I helped him rig out. And he's like, can I use your shop? And I said, anything you need, man, just go to, you know. And so I rolled down there in my wheelchair. Every bump and I have a dirt road, every bump would hurt my neck bad, super bad. I got down to the shop and I'd watch him, you know what I mean? And uh, he's like, you want to weld? And I'm like, no, no, no. After a while, I was like, all right, let me see that thing. And dude, you know, and uh, if you guys know, I don't know if you'll see this, the video or if it'll just be audio, but if you could imagine your fingers just kind of looking like you're grabbing a broomstick, and that's how my fingers are. And they don't really have any, I can't move them. When I, what I do have is called tendinesis. And that kind of, my tendons almost move my fingers when I move my wrist. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's hard, it's hard for me to grab stuff. And I'm fumbling with this big gun. I can't get it. And I'm finally, I got it set on my hand and it was crazy. I put my hood down and, uh, couldn't get that freaking, I couldn't get that wire where I wanted it. And I'm, cause I don't have core strength either. I have no abs. I lift my arm off my wheelchair right now. I'll fall to the side real slowly. And I have a little bit better now, but I had nothing. So I'm over here just fumbling around. And finally I got it where it was. And I was like, just do it, Danny. Just hit the trigger. And uh, I hit the trigger and uh, it was weird. I was doing the old whip, whipping it, pausing it. And I'm like, what? I'm like, I was just a minute ago, I was struggling. Now I'm like, in, I'm watching this puddle and it's the same as it was. And I was just doing that and I pulled my hood up and it was freaking a decent MIG weld, a really decent MIG weld. And I'm like, what the heck? And I'm over here, just bobblehead. And I did it. And I'm like, holy cow. And I'm still struggling again. I'm like, I want to do it again. And he's like, I don't care. He's like, I got this whole weld bed. You weld that side, I'll weld this side. And I'm like, okay. So I scoot my wheelchair forward a little more keep doing it. And it's crazy. Every time I'd get that hood down, I couldn't get there. And finally, when I got that MIG wire on where I wanted to start, I just hit the button. And then it seemed like my body was back, like almost like a therapy. And I did that. That was my first try at welding. After I got back, it was two weeks, probably a week and a half when I, since I got home. Dang. And I might even lie, and I might even lie to you because he came to my benefit dinner. 
So it might've been even the week that I got home and it was pretty cool. That was, that was my first MIG weld and it was starting to get easy, but it's never really the same, you know? Yeah. Um, but I, I'm like, yeah, I'll never be able to do this. I'll never be able to do that. My hands don't work. How am I going to turn on a bottle? How am I going to turn on a bottle if no one's around? Now I can turn on bottles. I could do that stuff. Back then I couldn't, I was in my head. I'm like, there's there, you get in your head a little bit and you're like, there's no way that this can turn on a bo- oxygen bo- or, or, or argo bottle or a mixed gas bottle. And now I can't. And I was actually teaching my, another, my buddy's wife, she came out and uh, she went to a school that they didn't teach how to backfeed. And uh, she said, will you teach me how to backfeed? I really want to learn how to backfeed. And uh, I'm fairly pr- proficient at it. That's how I did all my career was, was TIG weld. And when I was uh, doing it, I always was backfeeding. I'm like, mm-hmm. heck yeah, I'll show you some tricks. And I'm like, I was like, I don't know. And she's doing it. And I'm like yelling at her and I'm trying to communicate with her. And I have a little bit of an aspect of education, but I'm not the per- perfect. And finally, I was like, oh, and I was like, well, can I just show you? And I was like, I don't know if I can. And uh, there was a video I put out. You can actually see. I put the fingers in between. I put it in between my fingers and then held it by my ring finger and middle finger and supported it with my point, pointer finger and my pinky. So I had this wire and I was all messed up. And I did, I actually showed her and it actually made sense. It was rough, but it actually made sense to her. And I was like, dang. You know what I mean? I actually freaking put a bead in that for a little bit. And and it was just, but that was just like a month ago. You know, that was five months after my accident. And so it's, it's crazy to where when you don't, when you won't give up, you know what I mean? If you give up and you don't try that kind of stuff, you don't know where you're going to get. If you don't, you got with, you got to fall and you got to learn from that. Without friction, you're never going to polish anything. Exactly. And thanks to a lot of my good friends, my, my real good friend, Tanner and, uh, all of them, you know, they get me out there in that shop, pushing me down, up, helping me down the hill. And when there's a blizzard out and pushing me back up there in the snow, that's, I'm here doing a little bit better and I'll never stop. I'll always, I'll always be doing something with a big gun or a stick welder, or a TIG torch, something. Like you were saying, it's therapeutic in a way. It's like just being out there to just watch. I Like watching a puddle has always been the best therapy to me. You get lost in it and the whole world disappears. And that's amazing that you could still get out there and do it. And it's yeah. just like stepping stones, these little successes along the way. It's, I don't think I could do that. And then proving to yourself that I can. That That's awesome. Yeah. And, and you just started a new website too. Do you want to tell everyone a little bit about about your plans for that? Yeah, I'm a little scared to tell a whole bunch of people on because everyone's <laughs> dying to get on there. And Google don't like me right now, but it's about six six websites down on Google, but it's dhkwelds.com. I tried to think about what I really want to do in life. And like, man, Danny, you got to start thinking a little bit of what you can do with your brain because you're not dumb because you'll do a little bit with your brain too because your hands don't work like they did before. You're not going to exactly go out there and weld every single day, but I'm going to try. And so I got, I started a little swag company. I'm wearing a hat right now. I started a very humble swag company, hats, gloves. I think we got some stickers on there, just little cool stuff. And uh, so I started that sticker company and uh, it's, it's pretty fun. It's wild. It's not as easy as a lot of people think it is, but it's, I got a lot of people asking. I have so much support out there from my followers, so much support from my family and everyone wants my swag or wants my stuff. And it's been cool. My main goal with my, with my swag company is not only just to take from people and use their money or not use their money, but to sell a product. I also want to give back. So my goal with my swag company is I got a couple, I got a 63 red face and a 49 short hood. I want to rebuild these welding machines and welding trucks and whatever it might be. Maybe it'll just be a truck. 
and I want to give them away to people and that will actually drive the traffic to my website and people will get something free out of the deal. And I want to eventually either start or endorse. I'm actually get hopefully going to be voted on to an amazing nonprofit called the Hooded Heroes Foundation. And I want to donate stuff like that through my sales. I want to donate percentages and help people back out. I really wanted to do just welders like that are injured because mm-hmm. uh, you know how it is when you're in hospital or whatever, you know, you talk to God a little more and you start thinking about what really matters in life. And that was what I wanted to do. But the difference between me and other people is I'm still doing it. I'm going to do it. And that's what we're starting up. It's very humble right now. I tell everyone like that. So if you go on there, don't expect the best, the best looking website in the world, but it's mine. (laughs) Hey, it's it's all building process. And it's uh, your attitude about everything. That's been my favorite part of talking to you so far. You're constantly trying to improve. and Like, it's very special to see. I've heard about everything all along the way, and I'm happy we finally got to chat. But I really, it means a lot to just kind of see how you're pushing and you want to be an inspiration. Like, the Hooded Heroes, I know Garrett, and, like, that's a great thing. But what you're talking about, trying to help people that have been injured, it's like, that's, you could do it. Like you are a person that is out there advocating for it. It's amazing. It's amazing to see. And I'm really happy that you are pushing and you're not, because some people personally, I've had friends that get injured and it's just like, they, they give up on everything. And it's amazing to see, because you are going to keep going. You're going to keep getting better. You're going to keep getting more function. That's what really matters is the heart you put into it is what helps you get better. Yeah. And it's, I'm not going to, I don't want to brag or anything. It ain't all me. It's my family, my friends too. I got, I, when I was in the hospital, I discovered I have a support system that most people don't. I not let alone, I got such an amazing family. I got my daughter, my wife, my good friends. I also have a online support system of of family welders. And I remember getting on there and I was, it was just, everyone was messaging me. It was insane. They wanted to know. And I wasn't, I was, my wife was like, boy, we should probably make a a post. And I was like, I was embarrassed of myself, man. I sometimes I am to this day, you know, I don't have my legs. I was like, no, I don't want to. And so I waited a few days. They still didn't, I still wasn't feeling right, but I went on there and looked at some of the comments and uh, everyone was concerned, legitimately concerned. And I was like, man, this is cool. You know, I was like, my followers, my friends, my my family on in the welding community, I was like, we I got to give them some clarity because I went on there and people were commenting and saying, oh, Danny died. Google said that da- I went on Google and it says Danny died in a welding accident and this and that. And I Googled it. And it was, it's the top search. How did Danny die? And I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> and I go, there's articles of me that die- I died in a plant explosion. I And I'm like, what the heck? And I'm like, I gotta give these people some clarity. And I got on there and I told them a little bit. And I could barely even talk at that time. I was just so quiet. And it was just a weird time. This was probably a week into the, after the wreck, about a week in at the, in the ICU. And it was freaking refreshing to see all the amazing, crazy comments. Everyone thought, I figured someone would get on there and make fun of me. You know how social media is. Tough IQ keyboard warriors, but I did. And they, it was insane the amount of people that supported me and worried about me. And so that's kind of my inspiration for why I want to do this. I'm not because people were there for me. I have a GoFundMe with a hundred thousand dollars in it. And I, once I got a little better, I looked at it and they're crazy. There's people donating a couple grand all the way down. I was scrolling and I seen five bucks. I was like, what the heck? I read, but you can read a comment if they leave it, leave it in there. Mm-hmm. And his kid says he's, I think it was a kid at least. He said, uh, this guy or Danny, you've been an inspiration and uh, you inspired me to get into welding school or and uh, blah, 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 blah. And it was five bucks. I was like, 
holy cow, this kid, it's, I know it's a kid. It's just crazy. You are a person that is very easily recognized in the welding world. It's the beard, the beard is amazing. And I love that is like a logo that you're putting on hats and everything. Yeah, the logo is really cool. We talked real briefly about it. I was at a band in college and we put out an album called Grow Beard and Be Somebody. And it looked very similar. I was just like, yeah, I like that. Yeah, that's the beard has been my trademark for a while now. And yeah, I, yeah, it's pretty cool. I didn't think I had that big an impact on the, uh, the welding world until I guess when I needed it. That's a good thing. In my opinion, I feel like the people that touch the most people are not the people out there trying to. It's like, that wasn't your goals. I want to get out there and be a household name. It's like, yeah. you're just out there sharing your personality. You're sharing your knowledge. And that that's the most important thing. Like people want to connect with someone. You were someone that was easy to connect to and you still are. And I think that's one of the greatest things you have going forward is that your mind is still there. You still know all of the theory. You still know all the processes. You still have so much to give to the world. And I'm anything that I could do to help you get there or anybody. It's like everyone wants to help you. And that's because you've been such a help to everyone. So thank you for everything you do. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, it's pretty, pretty amazing and humbling. It's, it's something else. It's different. We're not, or the family of welders is not like the, uh, is not like the Kardashians. There's actual people that actually love us. You know what I mean? And it's pretty crazy that uh, it's amazing that it, I discovered that they don't just follow you for whatever else. They actually, they truly like you. And yeah, I'm going to continue on to uh, like that. Uh, I don't know about the, the household name. I'm going to have a hat in every household. Maybe I'm going to continue to do that. It's this, this wreck. Uh, it's hard. You know what I mean? That we're not, I'm not moving very fast, but we're going and I want to, I want to continue to do that. I think it would be so cool to, to help people. And along with that, along the way, I'm still going to do my how-to videos on how to build welding beds. I got a YouTube channel that I was about to break 10,000 followers. And I'm like, holy cow. I went on there the other night and it just jumped another thousand. I'm like, holy cow. I'm so bad about it. I got all these channels and I need to keep up on them better. But I'm still going to like, you know, kind of just do the old Danny twist on everything that I do. Best of my abilities, at least. Yeah. What are all the channels and places people can find your work? Yeah. Oh, man, I got, I need to change my names to where they're all the same. I got some, I got a TikTok, a couple TikTok channels, but my main one is the real Danny Kiderling. I got like Jack, Jack underscore Daniel on, on Instagram. And then I, yeah, that I've had that since high school. So don't judge. And then I have my YouTube DHK Welds is my YouTube channel. I'm pretty, if you search DHK Welds on the internet, even you'll get all my channels and all that stuff up there and DHKWelds.com actually. And that's where I sell my few hats and my stickers and stuff. I have gloves even too that were building. Pretty cool. And then I always try to ask, I ask people at the end of each episode, what is the best advice that you can give to new welders or people trying to get to this next level? What would you say is the biggest thing to focus on to just get better as a welder? Yeah. New welders. I, the one thing I could say, oh, well, there's two things, I guess, and they kind of roll into one. You can't never dwell on the past. I learned that in my rec. Like I told you guys, you can't worry about what to happen yesterday because you're not going to change it. You know what I mean? But you got to step forward. You got to continue to go forward and you can never compare yourself to someone else because you're not them. Never compare yourself. Comparison is the thief of happiness. But like I said, guys, you just got to get out there and you got to look at what Danny did yesterday or what Kevin did yesterday, not what your buddy in booth number seven is, or this guy over here with the million dollar mansion. You can't compare yourself to them. You got to work at what you were yesterday and do it better. And slowly after a while, you'll look back and you'll be like, that thing that I couldn't do, 
back there six months ago, that weld that I didn't even know how it was going to happen, whether it be anything, I didn't know I was going to graduate this welding class. If you just compare yourself to what you did yesterday and try to do better and try to work on that every single day, you will be better. It's straight facts. It, it's science. And so never compare yourself to past and never, never dwell on it. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Weld.com podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, shoot me a message on the Weld app and let me know what kind of topics or people you would like me to have on in future episodes. Also, if you're trying to score some new equipment and swag, every month there's a mystery box of surprises given away to a lucky premium member, so make sure you don't miss out. I'm Bo Wigington, and until next week, we'll see you out there.